so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty radio show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Tim Alders. Born free. No matter where you're at in the world, you should be born free. You should have the same legal rights as everybody under God. What joining us today, we're going to be talking immigration. Joining us today is Renata Castro. She is the founding member of the Castro Legal Group, a full-service immigration firm in all 50 states. Renata, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here to talk about my favorite subject, aside from the United States, and that's immigration law. You know, it's it's interesting. Most people don't know. I'm a first-generation American myself. My parents both immigrated here after World War II from Holland. So well, That's uh, interesting. I think that the, 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 the beauty of America is that we are this vibrant tapestry of people from all over the world. And that's what makes us so resilient. I think that we bring out the best in people. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm first-generation um, immigrant in my family. My kids are first-generation Americans. So... But, you know, I'm an American at heart. I, that, that's my country. This is a country which made me or allowed me to be who I am today. Well, and I, I'm glad you're very successful. You're very well known out there in the world today. And, you know, the Democrats and uh, Biden made a lot of promise to immigrants. And uh, I, I'm curious on your opinion. There's a lot going on in the Supreme Court. There's a lot you want to talk about. I don't try to control because this is your specialty. Uh, you know, I have my own views on immigration. We might not see eye to eye, but I believe in adult conversations. So how do you feel this administration and Democrats are doing on their promises to immigrants? Terribly. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just a different shade of terrible. I think that in the past two, the current administration and the previous administration, uh, we should have a, a fourth movie to the Fifty Shades of Terrible trilogy, because when you make bold promises without being realistic and strategic about what really should be done in the immigration realm, you do what I call a legacy. You create a legacy electoral issue. So every four years, some candidate's going to take a radical position about immigration, be it in favor or against, and just use that as leverage to win an election, but not present a solution. Um, I can't deny that I aligned with Biden in a number of his immigration propositions. However, I thought it was juvenile at best for him to suggest that he would be able to you know, approve immigration reform within the first 100 days, particularly someone who's been in Washington most of his life. So when it comes to immigration, the United States of today is running an outdated, I don't know, 1950s Beatle trying to run a race with supersonic cars. We have different needs than that, than those that we had in, you know, in the 90s when the last major immigration reform was passed, and that was um, IRA, IRA in 1996. And the politicians just keep picking out on issues 
And taking advantage of the public at large is um, lack of knowledge of the legal system. And that's just not right. The United States, the American people deserve to have the best and the brightest here. And that goes all the way down from um, employees in construction and, and, and in hospitality and cleaning, all the way up to scientists and innovators and entrepreneurs. But if we continue to run this beetle in this supersonic car race, we are certainly going to lose. And I think that Biden, once again, he could have done a better job at presenting reasonable legislation that was based on law, particularly because uh, Kamala Harris was a practicing attorney for years. She knows, you know, from being in the trenches, what immigration law, she should have a, a cursory knowledge of what immigration law is all about. But good lawyering doesn't make for TV ratings. And at the end of the day, votes and ratings are controlling the narrative, which is unfortunate because the lives of millions of people are at stake here. You know, I'm a person that believes in the rule of law. And uh, both Republicans and Democrats are utilizing and using different things that can separate the American people. And this is the problem I have with it is nobody addresses the laws. They all, they all want to make these quick fixes or promises that they're going to do this. You know, we're going to put a wall up. Fine. We're going to, you know, we're going to fix these immigration laws. We're going to do the Dream Act. But nobody's changing U.S. Code Section 8 on immigration. Nobody's looking to say, okay, how do we restructure America and the laws to make it simplified for the best and the brightest to come here? And to help the people in agriculture come here and the, the people who actually want to be uh, honest, providing citizens of the United States of America and protect us from those who want to bring, um, you know, more socialism or their own country's philosophies into America. That's the, the problem I think the founders had with uh, immigration is, you know, they didn't want us to become the world. They wanted the world to become more like the United States, but the United States isn't what people want to be anymore because we don't fix laws. We argue and we make false promises, but nobody ever addresses changing the laws. And only the Republicans and Democrats in Washington, D.C. could make legal changes. You see, I was, I had the privilege of having a magnificent attorney as my professor in law school. And his name is Bruce Rogo. And he would, he, once he said this in class, he said, you know, um, capitalism is evil, but no one drowns trying to swim into Cuba. And I, that really struck me because people have an idealized notion of both ends of the spectrum of what socialism actually is and what capitalism actually is. And they just throw these big names because this moves people. Um, I have a friend who was a PR professional and he used a great analogy. He said, you know, you can have red ants and they're living at peace. And then you have black ants and they're living at peace. But then you put the black and red ants inside a shaker, you cover the lid and you shake it up. And then there's this convolution of red ants against black ants because now they're going against each other. They think that red ants are the ones shaking the, the status quo when in fact it's a third hand. And I couldn't have thought of a better analogy to what's going on right now. Division makes us weak. And at the end of the day, we're more alike than we're different. We want safe 
communities. We want high paying jobs. We want to live in a country to which we're proud of. Uh, and that is on both sides of the aisle. Everyone talks about immigrants coming to the United States and there's a, an alleged border crisis. No one talks about the fact that this outdated asylum law makes people come to the border and present themselves because that's the only way to claim asylum protection. Uh, so what needs to change is not catch and release or build the wall because at the end of the day, we don't have people to uh, engage in the construction of this incredibly aggressive infrastructure bill that Biden is proposing. If he doesn't open temporary uh, construction visas, which don't exist and they should exist, uh, in my opinion, there won't be enough people to build those essential infrastructure items in our, in our country. And quite honestly, there wouldn't be enough people to build the wall unless you want to pay uh, um, top dollar to high skilled professionals to do unskilled labor. That's just that goes against every rule of capitalism that the United States believes in. At the end of the day, until you have reasonable, sensible legal reform at the core of immigration law, we will continue to have this legacy issue of there's a border crisis, there are detention centers, there are uh, all these problems that are never resolved until there is a focus on what's best for America and not what's best for the individual candidate. You know, it's it's very interesting that you say that because capitalism in America today isn't the capitalism the founding fathers envisioned. They didn't see globalized corporations uh, controlling government. Uh, one of the other things that uh, I think – so I, I lean more on the conservative side, the Trump side. Um, but it, it's really interesting. The problem a lot of conservatives and, and I think a lot of immigrants miss uh, with – the viewpoint of immigration. Now, mind you, my best friend's family immigrated here from Mexico. Uh, I work in the construction industry. I have a lot of people. So I love it when people call me racist when most of the people I associate with daily are from Latin American countries, uh, even the best man at my wedding. Uh, but, the, but the interesting thing is, is, is me and Ty Montavo, uh, my, my best friend, I'll say his name, he won't care. Uh, we were witnessing uh, a big immigration parade about eight years ago down Salt Lake City. And the thing that irritated him even more than me is that all these people were violating the law in the middle of the street, blocking traffic, spitting on cars. They were waving Mexican flags and tearing up and burning American flags. And, and, and Ty's like, that's not why my family came here. They came here to be Americans. They came here to embrace America. But that's the visual um, component that the people in Utah saw that day during that march. And it's, it didn't represent the Latino community. It was people from outside Utah and other people that were basically in the eyes of conservatives trashing America, using America to benefit them, but not wanting America. And, and, and that's the issue he had and I had. And I, I try to get people to, to say, when my parents immigrated here from Holland, my mom was in a concentration camp. She was shaved and numbered by the Germans uh, for being of darker skin, uh, which people find funny because I'm blonde hair, blue eyes. But my dad was a big blonde hair, blue eyed Dutch guy. Uh, but the fact of the matter is my dad never called himself a Dutch American. He, he raised us kids as Americans. He goes, I came to America to get away from what happened to me in Holland. He still loved his Dutch heritage. They lived on green cards here in America because getting mm -hmm. citizenship in America was almost impossible. 
But how do we stop people from this segregation we allow government to do to ourselves and do these rallies and, and get together? Because I think we could if we had adult conversations. I think I recognize as a conservative so many flaws in our immigration um, legislation and bills and laws that we have on the books. But yet no Republican or Democrat ever talks about fixing it. How do we fix the image of this immigration thing that has been so carried and separated so much? You know, you have given me so much to talk about that I I think it would need a full day immigration special. I have an hour show and you're always welcome to come back. But these are my concerns. I'm so concerned no, about the I hatred in our nation because politicians are want us to hate each other. So we don't focus on what they're doing, which is bankrupting our children. How do we as well, Latino Americans or African Americans just put that aside and become Americans and love each other for our differences? I will say this. You said right in the beginning that, you know, the best man at your, at your wedding is Mexican. And I'm pretty sure if you have Latino friends, you're throwing some great parties at your house because there's no party like a Latino party. And I, I use this because it, I think it lightens up the mood. And I think that in a way, you know, I, I'm obviously Brazilian. My family comes from, um, th- there's no, there's very few Brazilians who can call themselves white Brazilians. We're so miscegenated in Brazil, unless you're in the South, where during the Second World War, the Germans, the Polish, some Italians migrated to that region. There's no white Brazilian. And, and I say this because I think that, and that's me personally, uh, we may have become too polarized to realize that, you know, there's a human on the other side of the conversation for both ends, right? When we look at what, so you mentioned Salt Lake City. I was actually in Park City for my birthday last December. Love the, the, I love Utah. I have a special connection to that state. I have a lot of clients in Utah. And Utah is a growing state with a lot of need for labor. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's become a destination and you're in the construction industry. I'm pretty sure you can vouch for it. But when you see people doing things like doing these protests that are not promoting any idea, they're just violent in nature. This is not people furthering a Mexican interest or a Latin American interest. These are people who want to be known for something because they feel a personal void. So it is unfair for all of us to assimilate them to promoting a Latin American concept because my office receives about 7,200 calls a month. So we're a very high volume practice. My clients, and I can say that by representation of numbers, they're hardworking people. They are people who want to come here to live in America because they see America as a nation of laws. That's what attracts people to America. It's not to be walking down the street and have people spitting at cars or, uh, you know, someone in a road rage and your child, like what happened in California, your child will die with a stray bullet. That's what most of us were escaping from. So at the end of the day, when did we become so polarized, so inept at interpreting facts? Because that's the whole thing right now. It's you're conservative and I am liberal and now we can't have a conversation about facts because 
it all escalates to you're racist and you're libtard and that's it. And I think that we all just got really caught up in that movement in the past four years. I am not going to deny that I felt personally that the past four years, the vitriol on both sides was just exhausting. And finally, we're at least starting to have more milder conversations that humanize the other side. But America is not made of Republicans and of Democrats. America is made of Americans, of all of us. And we all have needs and desires and ideas that we want to promulgate for the benefit of the Commonwealth. I will say this, I am a history buff. I love to read. And I'm in the middle of this um, biography of, of from a Benjamin Franklin biography written by Walter Isaacson. If you haven't read, do it. And, you know, Benjamin Franklin, with all of his limitations, without social media, and, you know, at the time, he was still a printer, and it was a big deal to print, I don't know, 10,000 copies of, you know, an almanac. But he realized that there was strength in the collective, and that is what made America so great, is that we didn't wait for a government entity. This is a private citizen who came up with the idea of firefighters association servicing a community. And that's what we have today, of public lending libraries. Those are the things that made America what it is, is individual initiative for the collective good. It doesn't matter if that's capitalistic or socialistic or communist. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we all want to live in safe communities. We want to have our children go to the best schools. We want to know that as the middle class, we have a shot at living a good life with our bills paid, with access to health care. And those are all the conversations that got lost because we're talking about building a wall. We, we, would, we would joke in my office and say, are we going to call the Mexicans to build the wall? Because I cannot think of many Americans wanting to go to the sweltering Arizona heat to build a wall. And, it, you know, it's, it may, some people are going to say it's a crude joke, but it's the reality. America today needs to be strategic about how we use this attraction, this love story that the world has with the American way of life to make sure that we remain the city on the hill and we're not losing brains and arms which want to work and contribute to countries like Canada and Singapore and Australia because America is still the standard of living the American dream, of living a personal dream of accomplishment and meritocracy. But right now, I have clients who are, you know, extremely talented movie producers, investors, and they were reticent about whether or not they wanted their families to be, you know, targets of discrimination because their kids would be speaking a different language on the street. That's, that has never been what we were all about. When did we become a country that discriminates what made us, which is the diversity in who we are. Do we need better immigration laws? Yes, that is unquestionable. But we should be putting the focus on the politicians that are doing a terrible job at legislating and not the people. And I'll go a step further. If American employers did not employ 
undocumented aliens, they just wouldn't stay here. So when are we going to have that conversation about American employers violating American laws and not being penalized for it? Who is going to bring that conversation to the table? Nobody. You know why? Because there's a large system of wealthy people who benefit from this. And those are the conversations that are based on facts and not on speculation and not on hatred. Pure facts. An American employer, and when I say American is anyone who owns a company in the United States, who systematically employs undocumented aliens, faces jail time. I guarantee you, put 10, 15 15 large corporation executives in jail. You will see that 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 won't be 20 thousand that won't be 15 million undocumented aliens just won't be here oh i love that you brought that up and said it one of the things i always used to interview politicians and i'd ask them about u.s code section 8 where you knowingly help an undocumented person it's a crime but our politicians do it uh in california utah even all this stuff because nobody's fixing the laws they're like well you know it's and I'm in the construction industry and the mm-hmm. abuse among um, some of the people I know, you know, they, they call me the jefe that'll get down and work with them in the mud. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of abuse that goes on to these people in the construction industry where all of a sudden they don't get paid and they can't legally go and ask the government to help them garnish the employer for the wages uh, okay, well, you're here illegally, so I'll give you this, but you're not getting what I promised you. There's so much yeah. of that go- that goes on every day because nobody's addressing the laws. And like you, I don't even like the labels, conservative or liberal, but you have to use it for people to understand that there's, you know, and I don't, I, I hate it because we're all Americans. And, and if we uh, stop allowing the media on both sides to, to get the vitriol going and the hatred going and stirring up this conservative liberal thing and say, okay, let's avoid the topics that like sex and all this that, that separate us that laws can't fix. And let's work on the issues to make America just a better place. And if America's good for everybody and everybody's doing good, nobody seems to get concerned about who anybody else is sleeping with or doing these things with. Um, you know, another thing that bothers conservatives, and, and you're welcome to stay for a full hour too. We can take a break. Oh. And, uh, I, I love conversations. And, and another thing that I've had conservatives tell me over, over 15 years of live radio, three hours a day, is they say, well, you know, why is it that, you know, everybody's considered a racist and you have this LBGT month and you have African-American history, you know, and you have Latin America month. But if you try to have a white America month, people would say, well, that's just racist. It's like, Media is trying to separate us with all this. I love the Latin culture. Like you said, we have amazing parties. Uh, we have some of the best barbecues. Uh, you know, you I, know have, I, I have a friend. They love to eat. Friend. I have a very good friend, white gringo, as white as they come. Anglo. I mean, when, when he's at the beach with all the Hispanic people, he glows. You can see <laughs> who is the sore tongue sticking out. And I joke to him that all it takes to convert an anti-immigrant is for him or her to fall in love with an immigrant. That is the, that is the, the, the solution. And we, we, we joke about that, you know, we make light heart of it, but I think that one of the biggest differences, Tim, uh, Brazil is a very racist country, right? Which astounds me because 
as I said, there's no white Brazilian. So how are you going to be racist? And, and it's again? a beautiful nation with so much potential. Yeah. And but in America, I feel that the the, the racial discord is more laced with pure rate hatred, right? Against the, the other side. And so in Brazil, racism is more based on your social class. So if you're black and rich, you're not black. You're you're chocolate. But if you're black and poor, then you're treated a certain way. In America, if you're black and rich, you, you th- there is still this discord about race, right? And I I have to admit, I had not I had not been exposed because we tend to live with our with our likes and you know listen to the same stories and this friend of mine who um I uh, you know as wide as they come growing up in Memphis and he shared his side of the story um and you know you, you don't think about that i think that at the end of the day you know people are going to be in favor of labels i just want fairness for all of us I don't want my children to be discriminated because they are first generation Americans, because at the end of the day, they are Americans. That's what they are. Our country is a country where the law says if you're born in U.S. soil, you are as American as they come. There's no purebred American that just does not does not exist. Those are the Native Americans and they're not even in, in, in this conversation. I think that. If we begin celebrating our differences in general as what makes us vibrant and competent and valuable and innovative, it would just take such a weight off of our shoulders uh, by doing the right thing in general, irrespective of who the other person is, no matter if they're white or black or LGBTQX, YZ, just do the right thing. The right thing knows no colors, no creed. That is what I believe in. I happen to be an immigration attorney because I see value in what I do. I joke that being an immigration attorney is kind of playing God for a split second because with your knowledge, you can change the whole direction of a family's life. So you mentioned um, construction workers who are conned out of their wages. My office today we represent about 30% of our practice are victims of human trafficking. And the stories you hear day in and day out, I joke that there is a reason that I drink scotch because, you know, white liquor just wouldn't do it. It has to be brown liquor because it is, it is astounding. And you hear these stories and the suffering and the abuse. Um, I, I, I worked on a case of someone who came to the United States, um, induced by a job offer to work in construction. And he he was paid $90 a month. If, if that's not modern day slavery, I don't know what is. And people say, oh, this doesn't exist. It does. It does. Right under our noses. So irrespective of where this person came from, what language they speak, what God they pray to, they are a human being. That's the that should be our guiding compass, not only legality, but morality and not morality in the sense of, oh, you know, you're wearing a small bikini or that's not. Listen, each of us will have to answer 
to whomever we believe in. I happen to believe in God um, for our conduct. I, I, I want to make sure that I have a lot of golden stars for acting as a decent person. Um, but I think that more than that, I like the emotional reward of knowing that at the end of a day, I did something that will, will, will just make somebody else's life better. And I think we've lost that. I think people are just so antagonistic and, 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 and so the animus are just so elevated right now. I, I think we just got lost in this whole conversation. I, I agree. We're going to have to pause right here for a minute. I got to go to a quick break. I'm here with Renata Castro. We're having a great conversation on immigration and just, you know, people in general. And we're going to continue this on the uh, flip side of this. So hang tight. Because of COVID-19, the average American worries about their immune health four times a day. That's 112 times per year. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains 15 full doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free gel pack. It tastes great, is convenient on the go, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. was a time when Americans could rely on the fourth estate. Well, in these challenging times, the media is both reckless and complicit. AmericaOutloud.com. Top analysis from leading experts, articles, podcasts, video, and 24-7 talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. All right, welcome back to the Disciples of Liberty. I didn't even introduce the show at the top of the hour. I was so excited about this guest today, Renata Castro from the Castro Legal Group. People said, oh, you're going to be interviewing uh, a real liberal. And I'm like, I'm going to be having a conversation with another adult from another state. And it's so interesting because I've done this throughout my entire radio career. I've had conversations with people. And even when I, tra- I traveled to knock on doors in seven swing states for President Trump, it was amazing because I was treated so good by the minority groups. Hey, you know, we might not agree with you, but do you need a water? It's hot. Thanks. You know, yeah. tell me about Utah. And then it was the uh, white middle class Biden supporters who threatened that if they had a gun, they'd kill me. So it was just so interesting. Oh the the conversation. I, I mean, I went to Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, Seattle, Portland, you know, uh, and, and I knocked doors 
And I spent two weeks there just talking to people about our differences. And the people willing to have conversations were the immigrants or the minorities. And, you, and we were talking about the abuse. And, and, and people have to understand this, you know. I have friends that go to these, um, you know, Asian massage parlors. And I said, do you know most of those women there are being sex trafficked? And they're like, yeah. no. And I'm like, yeah, you know, ask them, you know, if they'll talk to you. And um, it's, it's really interesting because... I work in the construction industry, and, and the construction mm-hmm. industry changed back in the 1990s uh, in the building industries because you had people going for bids that were utilizing illegal labor, and they would totally destroy uh, illegal corporations, you know, uh, yeah. drywall, sheetrock, whatever the, the case may be, stucco, um, bid. And it, it lowered yes. the cost of everything at that point. And then after everybody switched to using illegals, I, I can't tell you how many times I hear that they bounce around, they pay in piecemeal. They're still not treated good by these corporations. These large construction companies will use these people and then all of a sudden not pay them. And then there's brokers out there. What people don't understand is there's people that help these illegals get jobs and they take a large portion of these people's money. Once they get paid, they get kickbacks. And they call it the Mexican mafia here in Utah in the construction industry. This is what the Latino community calls it. I didn't make this up. It's I'm it might sound politically incorrect, but that's what they call it. Because But that's what they call it. That's what they call it. And we hear it all the time. Um we so I'm in South Florida and I obviously have clients nationwide and every area has its peculiarities. I mean, the Asian massage parlors are a major issue, uh, but the construction and domestic workers um, industries have been plagued for years with, um, with accusations of trafficking. Um, and at the end of the day, when we see people who are being taken advantage of, a true American has never backed down from that call to doing what's right. That's why we as a country, which, you know, stands on the, on the pillars of, of justice and fairness, how can we just say, well, but yeah, these people are working in construction and not getting paid, but let's go build a wall. Well, no, let's have a conversation as to why this American employer that in this case where you, you, you presented, who is bidding for government dollars, which is basically tax income, uh, that's you and I's um, um, money that we pay in our taxes. How is it that he's getting wealthier by exploring the vulnerabilities of people doesn't matter where they come from you know that's not america is not a country that bows that walks away from doing what's right so when i hear these stories i say your problem is not being a trump supporter or a democrat or a republican your problem is that you you, you're just someone who doesn't have a moral compass so let's talk about that first let's talk about the fact that A lot of people today are hiding behind political labels to justify the egregious behavior that they engage in. So if you want to be someone who engages in illegal conduct, don't justify it on your political premises. Just say, that's who I am. But that would be hard and people wouldn't do it. Um, And, you know, you said the Mexican mafia. I got a book for Mother's Day that is 
very funny. It's called Stuff White People Say. So if you have a chance, read it. And I was given I was given it by a friend of mine who is a Trump supporter. And I joke that he is QAnon and that, you know, he calls me quasi-liberal. But we're great friends. And, you know, we but it's funny because even though he's a staunch Republican, he and I agree on so many issues related to the core humanistic discussions. Immigrants should not be taken advantage of because they are immigrants. And that's what really the conversation should be about. Not Trump is not America and Biden is not America. America is a set of values and morals. And when are we going to talk about that? Who we are as a country, our identity, our beliefs. It's a lot more than just a political label or someone who's representing that party. Who are we? What do we believe in? And I doubt that Americans who love America for what it stands are people who are okay with abuse and neglect and human trafficking and people being taken advantage of. I, I, I can't believe that that America exists, not as the America that I fight for its laws and that I admire and protect with my own life if necessary. You know, one of the issues that uh, people who consider themselves more conservatives have is with this uh, systemic racism um, theory that's out there, critical race theory and all that, because I've traveled all over. And if you've ever been the only white guy in a blues club in Atlanta and you felt the hatred. And I tell people all the time that I, I don't believe in racism. I believe in, believe in hatred. I believe that no matter what race you are, um, you can go to a community and, and have hatred. Or you can go to a community and you can feel love. Do you know what I mean? I've been to uh, a huge Latino party with my friends as the only white guy there. And I, I, I swear they're related to everybody. Uh, you know, and I, I come from a Dutch family, very small, don't have a lot of relatives, but they accept me as family there. And when somebody disrespected me that was younger, the older uh, Latino members there that were at the park are like, hey, this is a really nice guy. What are you, why are you being rude to him? You know, well, he's white. Well, you know, he's here as a guest, you know, and, and we welcome our guests. We embrace our guests. He's never done anything to you. And, and so I think it's the hatred that the media and the politicians push on us. Uh, and if we can get past that hatred and have these conversations, which the politicians on both sides don't want us to have. I've said for years, we would end a lot of the hatred in this country if we fixed immigration laws, because then it wouldn't be a hot button topic for elections. And, and that's why we have immigration problems in America is because it makes it a hot button topic for Democrats and Republicans to gain that power over us. And I hate it. And people like you that are trying to fix this, it's probably hard to even get a Republican to sit down with you and talk uh, because they look at you as the other side of the aisle and the enemy. And we can't approach conversations as looking at other Americans as our enemy. There's a lot of people who want to destroy our nation outside of our nation. Let's not do it from inside. See, I, I have been a victim of discrimination more than once. Um, I ran for office twice and uh, one of my kids was called Spick. And, you know, if, we, I think that we've all heard derogatory terms against Latinos. And I was, 
I had to take a pause in my political career because I didn't think it was fair to my children to put them in that position. I'm an adult. Call me whatever you want. Don't, don't do that to my kids. Um, but at that moment, what I realized is that to certain people, no matter my professional accomplishments or no matter how much of a good Samaritan I am, they have this preconceived notion of what I am and what I do and what I should be. And that is where the problem lies, is with the preconceptions and the prejudgments. And humans are judgmental people. That, that's, that's how we survive. That's a, that's a survival mechanism. And unless we are able to see a human on the other side of the conversation, there will never be an agreement that will always be discord because you can pick evil people of all shapes and colors and sizes and creeds and degrees, but that's a generalization. See, everywhere I go, people make jokes about attorneys. I'm, I'm already used to it. Um, and I, I even say, oh yeah, I don't like attorneys myself, uh, but I'm an attorney, but that's a joke. Are all attorneys bad? No. Is that a generalization? Yes. Is it fair? No. Maybe there's a handful of people who are dishonest, but why am I being included in that basket? And I think that that has to go for everybody. Now, I hope that when people judge my capacity, I don't want to be judged as a minority attorney. I don't want to be judged as a Brazilian attorney. I want to be judged as an attorney, period, based on my merit, on my work product. And I think that that's why people come to America. People come to America because they want an even playing field. When we look at the middle class of America today, that is long gone. The middle class in America is eroding. Our purchase power is eroding. And that is not a white issue or an African-American. That's an American issue. When are we going to talk about that? When are we going to talk about that? That our kids are going to overpriced colleges without the expectation of getting a job when they end school. And it's not because they're interested in gig economy. It's because there are no good paying jobs for them, waiting for them. That's a problem for a Latina mom for a white mom, for an African-American mom with their peculiarities because, you know, they, they, every family has a circumstance. But at the end of the day, can we just look at the human on the other side? Can we empathize? Can we commiserate? And can we do the right thing? No, no labels necessary. You know, I went to uh, lunch the other day. Some of the doctors, I've had some amazing surgeons and people, and I've become friends with all my doctors, one from Pakistan and, and uh, one from uh, India. And it, it's interesting. They're the most amazing people, and we have lunch, and, and we've become friends because they treated mm -hmm. me. But we, we got into immigration. One of them was a conservative, and one was a liberal. One was pro-Trump, and one was the other. But we had this amazing lunch, and we talked, and I heard the story of this one guy. He's here. He's amazing intellect, one of the best um, infectious disease doctors on the West Coast. But he can't even mm -hmm. get his family here. His dad got, had to go back 
to India during COVID and he couldn't get back over because of visas and everything. And then the other guy um, from Pakistan couldn't even get his other kids into America. And yeah. they were telling me how so many of these intelligent doctors and, and people have to understand, we have a lot of um, Middle Eastern um, doctors from India, from Pakistan, from Saudi Arabia, from all over the world who come here, but now they're going home. You know, they've, yeah. they've studied at Stanford, Harvard, University of Utah Medical School, and they get these degrees, but the country won't let their family come, yet they treat, you know, Tim, they treat white people every kids? day. Do you have kids? Um, I had three. My daughter passed away. Um, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, I have two kids. I have a soon-to-be 17-year-old boy. Our kids do not want to go to conventional careers anymore. Most of them want to be YouTubers and gamers. And I just keep thinking. So if I have a kidney infection, YouTube's not going to solve my problem. I need a doctor. I need an engineer. I need, you know, an economy is built on diversity. So how do we respond to this cultural, you know, dilemma where American kids are not interested in conventional careers anymore? I read somewhere that 87% of students enrolled in mechanical engineering programs are foreigners. And I say kids because they're, you know, they're younger than me. You are so look what 21. are we going to do? I- I'm looking at her. She only looks like she's 21. So just so you know. Well, Botox does miracles, but I'm 38, <laughs> soon to be 39. But the, the reality is the country is still going to have needs. And if we don't answer a call to those needs, we will be a nation of sick people with failing infrastructure with a bunch of YouTubers to watch. I don't want to watch YouTube when I'm in pain. I want to watch YouTube to entertain myself. And this may be simplistic, but just think about it. Look at the number of hospitals that are struggling to recruit doctors and nurses and support staff. Look at the number of construction companies that are having a hard time. I have clients who are electrical contractors and who say, I am refusing contracts. I am refusing contracts because I cannot get apprentices through the door. And people say, oh, because it doesn't pay well. That's not true. An electrical apprentice is making more money dollar for dollar than a lawyer coming out of law school with zero experience. People are not interested. They don't wake up and say, I want to have a blue collar job that's stable anymore. But guess what? Those things move the economy. How can we become competitive by using our strengths as opposed to just hammering down on our weaknesses? That's, you know, that, that's the reality of, of it all. A doctor who I recently won a case for a Brazilian doctor who is a specialist in telehealth, and he spent an inordinate amount of money and time proving to the U.S. government that him being here, which would save money to Uh, Medicare and and, and Medicaid and to the American hospital system because of his expertise would be good. Shouldn't that be known? Isn't that obvious? (laughs) It it seems obvious, but uh, but a lot of things that seem obvious uh, to most people aren't because the media don't portray it as obvious. And and this is our problem. We're taking our advice now from an opinion media instead of a factual media. And 
you know, me and you have discussed, you know, if Democrats and Republicans really want to fix the undocumented problem, go after the employers. Uh, you know, the people listening to this show right now, why aren't you making your Republican or Democratic representatives go after the illegal acts of employers in your state? You know, this is, it's, it's, it's such a simple fix. I used to make a inappropriate, politically incorrect joke. Um, that if we stopped feeding the seagulls on the beach, they'd stop flocking over. Well, if we took that opportunity for them to work illegally off the table because we punish the employers who are doing it, then they would look for more legal ways. But then we got to simplify and fix the laws so that we can fill those needs like you're talking about. Not only the doctors, but the people who pick crops because you're not going to find some person from my neighborhood or my community going and working even fast food anymore. You know, I, I, see, yeah. more, I see more older people working fast food because of COVID than you do kids. We, we've taught mm-hmm. our kids to be gamers and YouTubers and, and we've lost a work ethic in this country. I hate to say it, but I, I see it all the time in this industry where a, a plumber and an electrician apprentice can make over $30 an hour in our nation today. Yet that's not good enough. They all want to be multimillionaires tomorrow. You know, they're like, well, I, you know, I need $200 oh, an hour. Did I, you get 200 I, an hour son, when you first graduated? My, uh, no. uh, my son who's 17 and God bless him. He says all of these things and I just sit there and I think of all the jobs I've done in my life. I work cleaning, construction, car wash, restaurant. I have done so many things and you know, I've, I've worked full time since I was 13 years old and I would do just about whatever would because I was in need. Um, and I've always known that that was not my last stop, that that was the beginning. And today I am a skilled attorney because my life was not only limited, my life experiences were not limited to being a lawyer. I, I have other skills that were developed in those entry level jobs that were not easy. And, you know, there's, of course, you know, you can't tell people how to raise their kids. And, you know, if you have kids, you cannot tell them what to do because they don't listen. So I I hear all of that outcry because even though I'm a lawyer, I'm a human too. And I have personal dilemmas, but as a country, we cannot afford to pretend that this is not happening because it is, we have an aging American population that is not interested in having kids People today are not interested in having kids. They're interested in traveling and living a different lifestyle. That's great in their individual capacity. But as an economy, we need to have an answer to that. China just authorized people to have a third child because their strength is in numbers. The United States has not suffered more deeply with labor force losses because everyone wants to be here because the natality rate has been going down year after year. It doesn't take a scientist. Listen, I'm a lawyer. I am terrible at math. If I'm, if I am a lawyer and I am basing my argument on statistics, there's something that is very wrong about this scenario. People need to be paying attention to this. And it is a serious issue. People want to be gamers. That's great. But when your toilet breaks, the gamer is not going to fix your toilet. You're going to need a plumber. And that plumber has 
an overall impact in the community and the economics of your community that is real. We can't deny that. So when are we as a country just going to pretend that this wound of demand for labor, unskilled and skilled, is there? That American employers are hiring undocumented aliens for their gain. It is for their gain. Because every time someone hires an undocumented alien, they pay them less money. It is because they are making more money. It's as simple as that. When are we going to have that conversation? Once we do, then we can sit down and discuss wall, drones, asylum law. There is an intrinsic issue with the way America sees immigration these days. It has been handling immigration that is working against us. It, it is. And, you know, it, it's really interesting because uh, 25 years ago, I made the first big mistake in my land development. I did a project and I forgot to trench for utilities. So I had a hire, and this was 25 years ago. Understand the economy of scale 25 years ago. Yes, you know, I was making yes. four bucks at a, at a fast food place a couple years prior to this. And I had to hire people to go and dig these trenches with a shovel because a little backhoe would have destroyed my sidewalks and everything. So I hired an SOS temporary crew, and they were pretty much mm-hmm. just the uh, white cowboy. And I'm a white cowboy, so I'm a redneck, so I can call them you know, white cowboy rednecks. But they came and they wanted a break every two minutes because it was hot. And that first day, I got probably 20 feet of trench dug by 15 guys. Well, the next day, the SOS temporary sent me this this, uh, crew of Hispanic guys. It was like seven guys, eight guys. And we did 200 feet a day. But they were getting paid $25 an hour. And these 20-year-old kids that were rednecks didn't care to work for 25 bucks an hour. And so if it wouldn't have been that I could get from SOS Temporaries this legal um, Hispanics that were willing to go and and work, I wouldn't have got it done. And it was a a major mess. You know, I was selling lots in those days at 49,000 for a building lot, which are now 500. But it's still the point I would have lost a lot of money because interest. And, you know, you can't find kids today that will clean a toilet. Tell your 17-year-old boy to go work fast food and clean a toilet. You know, they're, they're so far away. And, and we created this issue in America. My generation, the generation below me, I'm 55. We created this issue because we wanted better things for our children. But there's nothing wrong with blue-collar jobs. There's nothing wrong with being an apprentice electrician. Some of the friends I have with the most money in life own small service jobs they own electrical companies they're journeymen and and master electricians or plumbers or hvac i think that you know what what we really lost was the is the ability to think critically you know i thank god because of my training as a lawyer as a project manager i think of things unlike most people Sometimes it's not very fun to be around me because I'll be asking you probative questions, but I want to make my own conclusions and not just jump to a conclusion that's being fed to me. Um, and I think that we've lost that, the ability to reason, to question, to delay satisfaction. Everything has to be now and it has to be done now and it has to be the way I want now. And that is fantastic, but that's not real life. And once again, as a country, We are an ecosystem of different elements 
if we were a country of gamers and of YouTubers and of scientists, because I see people saying, oh, we want to, we only want the scientists here. And I say, okay, who's going to build the houses that the scientists are going to live at? Because the scientist's not going to do that. He can't hold the drip. So it's about being able to think at scale in, in every possible outcome. The United States enjoys the, the most abundance when its real estate industry is doing well. Most wealth is done in the real estate industry. That, that's a fact, construction and real estate. So in the state of Florida right now, we have an affordability issue for construction costs. They can't find people to build homes. As a result, rents are going crazy. And we're, we're going to have to continue this conversation another time. This show's out over. You're listening to the America Out Loud Network. This is Renata Castro. I've loved the conversation today, folks. These are conversations we need to have with everybody. And thank you yes. so much. Share this on your social media, people. Get out there and have adult conversations about immigration and who really is at fault because it's the large employers, smaller employers, and our politicians that are creating the hatred for immigration that we have in our nation today. Until next time, thanks. Look down,